You are now entering a mahogany forum where we hope you find a resilient soul resonating message sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb with your host Alexa, an urban researcher. Follow her as she curates Mahogany Honey, the podcast dedicated to culture, social change, education, relationships, and so much more. Welcome, guys, once again to Mahogany Honey's podcast. And here I have my friend. We are having a one-to-one girl talk casual combo with my friend, Jasmine yes. Stewart. Yes, honey. Hey, hey, you got, you have to have that one-on-one time. You have to have that girl time, unpack, talk about how you're feeling. And I was really wanting to unpack with Lex about love relationships and everything in between and i'm so happy she has this platform because i'm about to spill my heart guys i'm about to pour it out in the glass for you to drink and consume (laughs) give it to us (laughs) okay so rewind in the story lex and i both went to grad school together we lived together well i lived with her she lived there i just lived i lived with her (laughs) to be honest and her roommate we're all still close, and she, her roommate, her old roommate, is having a wedding. The wedding was supposed to happen in April, just before Lex's birthday, and we were supposed to all go there, bring our significant others, and all meet and have this powwow. But if you haven't been under a rock, you know by March, everybody was sheltering in place, and that wedding was no more. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I give, I give my relationships to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Because I need to take the wheel. <laughs> I do not have all the answers and I'm constantly evolving, learning, growing, etc. And I mean, we've both been in, you know, circumstances where life has hit us and, you know, faced struggles where we've been happy that we actually have um, a partner to do life with. And yeah. coincidentally, just we just had like met up in the beginning of the year and we were just going through the dating phase and it's just like our dating phase got cut short it was like okay yep and here's covid and navigate that good luck <laughs> best of luck to you may what's what i say may the odds be in your favor <laughs> okay so i've been in a relationship for a little bit over a year and a half um, my partner, we met when I was working at a university in the South and he was a graduate student in the engineering department and we knew each other for two years and then we started dating. So it's kind of interesting to figure out like, when did we really start dating and how long have we been official? I'm, I'm too old. Ugh. Anyways. So the sad part about it is like when we finally got together and things were official and we started living in the same state again everything got shut down. So we had to celebrate things like my birthday being unsheltered in place. So I just feel like it's a little bit harder because you, of course you want your partner to make you feel special. So I feel like, especially for those out there, when you're celebrating your significant other at a time like this where most things are closed, I don't think that you should use it as um, an excuse. I think that you have to just be more intentional and thoughtful and creative and I feel like this is a time to be innovative and do do things that you never thought would be okay and, and do it. So for example, my birthday was May 4th. And so Tino pretty much had to be creative and he knows that I'm really into travels and culture and, and all these different things. So he found like all these different cultural places that 
are in California that I haven't been to because I've only lived here for a year and he's only lived here for six months. So he found these different places that I remind him of. And so he took me to each cultural place, told me what it was, told me why I reminded him of that place. And we took pictures. And so we literally captured each moment. So with every, and so like, it secretly also was my photo shoot. So I was just like, oh my God, like I had a secret kind of like photo shoot because the whole day we would go to the different places and the route was up the coast. So I live in Northern California, which is like the San Francisco Bay area. And we are right on the Pacific coast. So driving up that, seeing like the waves crashing against the rocks and just seeing like all this things in California, seeing California and it's natural glory was pretty awesome. And then we ended at Point Reyes, which is beautiful and it has a beach. And even though the beach was closed, there's like this lighthouse that we were like trying to sneak to see the lighthouse because, you know, I'm a sucker for like all that kind of stuff. So it, it was really nice. And then when we drove back down, he got candles and came to the house and like lit all these different candles and he prepared us like a three course meal. So I was just like, okay, it was the Pino. See, you trying to be romantic in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> so I do appreciate that. So for my birthday, I do feel celebrated. But I also feel like our him courting me got cut short a little bit because I'm the biggest believer until we're married you better hope I stay, you know? So it's just like, I want to feel courted. I want to feel special. I want to feel like you are really looking towards me to, you know, have a future. And to do that, you need to to make me feel like I want to commit to you. And I want to, I see myself spending the rest of my life with you. And I do understand it needs to be reciprocal, but I mean, I'm just telling you my perspective of what I want for my partner. So I do feel like the dates and stuff, we have to be real creative now because I feel like we go on hikes and picnics so much that it, so not that it took out the specialness because I love my, you know, lay out in the sun and feed me my food on the lawn. But I think like now, if that's become the new norm, then it's not like what you need to do for my date anymore. That's just, you just do that now because you know, I like it. It's definitely put a, a little damper on it. But I, I do feel fortunate to have, like, a really thoughtful boyfriend who knows I'm a little bit needy in that area, and he does what he can to support me in my love language. Because my love language, if you, if you know anything about the five love languages, when he talks about, like, acts of service, um, it, uh, words of affirmation and things like that, of gifts, essentially, I just need a person who does, like, quality time and acts of service. That's how, because I feel like everybody gets 24 hours in a day, but everybody prioritizes them different. And for me, for a person who like, I'm not really materialistic and also like, I have a full-time job and not, not just a job, I'm in my career. It's just like, I can buy that, that stuff. Like, what, can, what else? What can you give me now? Yeah. And give me your time and, and give me that quality time. And I think there's a difference between giving me your time and gives me quality time. Being present and being thoughtful, thinking about why would she like this or how would she like this to be? Like, I think that's really what I'm looking for. And I, I, it took me a long time, mind you. For me, I will say that I also enjoy the finer things in life in regards to being romanced. I do like mm. well. Um, 
I do enjoy dressing up, the whole process of like, you know, making myself up, that whole yeah. thing, like the preparation process of just like yes. getting ready and like even playing music, like while I'm getting ready and just like getting together. I, I, I enjoy that process. Even with my girls, I enjoy that process. Like, you know, when we, we used yes. to go out, I, we, we did the whole pregame music and just like amping yes. up. It's a production, it's a vibe, it's the energy. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Creating like a nice vibe before you head out and just like, you know, having that there and I'm setting the mood. I'm, I'm oh, that's what it's setting the mood. Um, that setting the tone and setting the mood influences the rest of the night. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm a '90s kid at heart, still. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. Okay, so what do I mean by setting the mood? And like, for once, setting the mood. Not only is it like maybe playing some upbeat music that you like, but it's also like. When I got dressed, did I like it? When I got dressed, did we bicker? When I got dressed, did you, like, was I concerned about anything? And that all plays into the mood and the energy because, like, people meet and match your energy. And that, that's the same with your partner. I do feel like how you're feeling and how you're acting is going to, in turn, influence their response to you. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, so I, I will say that lately with going out, Tino and I have had to find a happy balance. And I can admit that I've had moments where he didn't enjoy himself because of my mood and my energy. And like, I had to be conscious of that, of like, okay, where did I go wrong? And how can I fix it? Personal finances. Because the money that you spend out on entertainment, whether it be on him splurging on you, whether it be you, you know, getting dressed up for him and buying things to, you know, to go out when we could, you know, because now it's COVID. But I think that one thing that we talked about was like our entertainment costs have got to come down. Yeah. Okay. So interesting fun fact. I, we live together now. So I live with him. He lives with me, whatever, however you want to say it. And we started tracking what we spent and at our highest point, we spent like $2,000 on entertaining ourselves in a month. Wow. Okay. In one month. And I think that was like back, not that it was back when we were in So In Love. This was back when outside was open. And he had just moved to California. And I think we were making up lost times. So it was a lot of like, let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. And I think that sometimes with couples, it's so customary. We're happy. Let's go you're sad? I'll take you to your favorite apple place. Oh, we want to celebrate? Let's get drinks. It just seemed like everything was around eating and drinking. Yeah. So as a couple, we had to figure that out and like slow it down. And I think the greatest thing that happened was in March, me and him were like, we're going to be on a no spend and like really like outside of buying food, we're not going to be doing all this crazy stuff. And like, because of COVID, we kind of had to stick to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's been it's been working. So. Man, yeah, that's so. For for us, we had probably January, February, mid March to 
do like the whole back and forth dating and courting thing. Not that we don't do it, we do it in different areas, kind of similar to what we have available now, which is like hikes and trails, <laughs> picnics, yeah. yeah, all these other things that like we've been pushed to do, but. It's, it's okay. Like, I enjoy those things as well. Because those are things that we used to do as kids, right? But we never really thought of. Yeah. Time has evolved, and it kind of just brings you back a little bit to just the, the, the practical stuff in life. Um, yeah. When we jumped into it, um, at the time, too, like, I had been... Um, I had been unemployed, and I was just recently, like, going into work. And so we were financially kind of just like trying to make the best of what we could. And it was more so falling on him. And, but still we make sure that we're just being like understanding and cordial about like the expenses and the things of like what dating would look like for us. And like, we would honestly, one of our dates would probably sneak food into like one of the movie theaters that we were eating pizza, like in my purse, like I had the pizza boxes in my purse. <laughs> to eat this pizza while we watch a movie <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do that's fun mm -hmm. you guys are fun i love it. it we watch parasite matter of fact which is so funny because it was literally right before covid hit and so it was interesting enough to like watch a film that had i don't know if you've seen it but it has to do with like the disparities of like asian cultures and like what they really face and what the the gap between the rich and like the poor that gap and like the reality of that and just it's so interesting how like literally a month later we're seeing it highlighted in our economic system here in the u.s um, look at that foreshadowing anyways uh, <laughs> i have a question i have a question about that yeah. so one of the biggest things that they say is like women of color are oftentimes not equally yoked with their partners, meaning that they typically are more educated, have better, you know, jobs, m make more money. And I feel like sometimes that could be discouraging. Do you feel like in your experience, you found that to be true? Or do you feel like, no, not really? Yes, yes. And I'll tell you where. I know my strengths. I will start there <laughs> okay i know my value um however i would be a liar i would be a liar if i said we do not have power struggles because at times i that's what i call it that's my experience he may want to argue that fine for me it's power struggles um in regards to just like intellect i want to say there have been many times, like, because he is pursuing his PsyD, his doctorates in psychology, where he would he will want to bring something to the table and discuss it with me, or I will bring something to the table in regards to just, like, any questions that I may have about whatever topics I might want to discuss during my podcast or, or my own ventures or my my job search that and that's where you most of the time see our power struggles oh. um, I think communication is key 
and seeking support in that. But I want to, before I go into that, I want to elaborate a little bit more, more transparently, okay. a little bit, an idea, an example, give you the tea. <laughs> on that on those power struggles so going back to the intellect part right there will be times where he'll want me to read something and he's working on his dissertation and i'm just like this is too much i cannot i cannot this is why i haven't gone back to school like I look at it and but I do try I you know for the most part I try to put it in as much effort and just um give some feedback at times I feel as if like my feedback is not received well and we have had many um discussions about that yeah. and I will say that it's probably vice versa the same way here when you try to get in my lane and try to tell me that how to produce your lane, episode six I didn't produce my podcast. I just be like, uh -huh, okay. So yes, I will say that love is love has to be present because it can be really mm -hmm. hard to navigate those power struggles, man. If you don't yeah. have words, you know, being transparent or honest and having those discussions and yeah. avoidance is not going to help the issue. Like avoiding those conversations, I'll tell you, the much is not gonna assist those convos those interesting conversations and mansplains mansplaining is a real thing my man wanted mm. not to uh <laughs> acknowledge that but i think now he, uh, he's being a little bit more now i'm like but once you highlight it and and you pinpoint like see when you just did that prime example when you mansplain to me uh because i do i do feel like it's oftentimes men they're allowed to to feel like the point of authority and the expert on things and people don't ever i guess like mention to them like it makes me feel comfortable i don't like when and i feel like they've been able to live their lives without people really having the checks and balance of being like you realize you don't have to tell me that i actually am an expert in this thanks he hates when i bring up toxic masculinity when i see it kind of just like taking its own course and derailing i'm like are we entering toxic masculinity territory? Man, don't even. If you want to have real conversations, <laughs> those are words that are thrown out there here and there. Um, those are, that's a real, those are real things that as a couple we have struggled with. And um, not sure what your experience is with that. <laughs> I'm alone in that area. I'm so toxic masculinity. I feel like, the interesting thing is I, I, my partner is from Jamaica, so I feel like he, his, his vibe and energy is just different, very much different than what I've ever had with an American man. I feel like he's so comfortable in his masculinity that he just like kind of goes along and do what I said. We want to laugh and joke and kiki about current pop cultural references. In his mind, he doesn't make the association of like, I can't talk to you about that because that's women's stuff. That's girl stuff. If anything, he just like, he wants to engage and laugh with me. So we have a good time. So for the most part, we haven't, the only thing I can say when it comes to gender roles in the kitchen, I do feel like he loves cooking and he's a phenomenal chef, but I can tell in some of his commentary, he wish I was like the cook, if that makes any sense. 
So for example, if he's making something, if he's making a, the main dish, he'll be sure to be like, what are you making for the sides? Or, hey, Jazz, can you come help me for a minute? And it's just like, I think that's his passive aggressive way of saying like, I want you to do this and you're not doing it. So I think the expectation in his mind is for me to help prepare the meals. Because I, in conversations that we've had, I know that he's like, if you can't prepare meals for me, how are you gonna prepare meals for the kids? Which is implying that it's gonna be my responsibility to do that. <laughs> but I understand. Yeah. I, but it, yeah. there's levels. There's levels of toxicity. But for the, for the most part, I haven't had to deal with that. But I, I wonder if it has to do with his cultural upbringing. Like, Jamaicans are very, like, fun, lovey-dovey, like, hug on you, kiss on you, mommy, 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 like, literally, he still calls his mom mommy, and so, like, when when I met her for the first time, and he got, it was his first time seeing her in months, like, he was like, mommy, and, like, gave her, like, the biggest hug, and it was just, like, he's, like, over six foot, chocolate man, like, it's, like, it's, like, he melted once he saw her, <laughs> and it's just, like, he's so comfortable with his masculinity that it's, like, he doesn't have to do anything hyper or demean me to make him feel more masculine. And I think that in his culture, the women are spicy. So I feel like, I do feel like sometimes I can be an alpha female, but that, that's because of my upbringing. Not that I didn't have support. It's just like, at the end of the day, everything just got left to me. It's just like, I'm going to help you, but you know, what'd you do? So I feel like it's, it's turned me into like a, domineering taking the reins because when i didn't stuff fell through the cracks you know yeah L that's literally you already know <laughs> You're so, but yeah. i guess like the reason why i asked the, the original question of like the equally yoke thing it's just like i you mean to tell me i am 30 actually i'm 31 sorry i forgot a year Whew. 2020 didn't happen 2021 <laughs> Day. What month are we? Happen. So you want to tell me that it took me till I was 31 to find to finally found a partner that I think that is worthy of my time, and only for him not to be American. So it made me feel like is 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 it true? If I was still looking for an American male, is it true that I wouldn't be able to find someone equally yoked? Because when you think about like what. What are the barriers for if, if I wanted an African-American man? Um, African-American men are the most likely to be jailed. So that takes away some of the population. Uh, then you have to think about, does this person, what do they identify with? Do they want a woman? So, you know, I have no problems with people who don't identify with that and don't want a woman. Okay, that's fine. But th that demographic shrinks who is eligible. And then you have some people who are self-hating and they don't want a black woman. So then that eliminates some of the demographic of people that are available. When I, when I hear that, I also, what comes to mind is how you said cultural, the cultural uh, content of the relationship. So me being Afro-Latina and him being African-American, um, there has been times where um, we we've seen our differences and we we enjoy them for the most part. I want to say that 
for the most part, we enjoy our differences. Um, but yes. also, we have like our moments where we're like, how do we navigate that? You know, <laughs> that's the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing, and it's like the biggest blind spot that nobody knew was there. It's almost like you guys have brown skin. You you have you're similar enough. <laughs> but it's just like when when the other partner English is not their first language. English is not his first language. He's it's Patan in French and then English. And then when a person has different foods that they grew up eating and cooking, they have a different culture that they grew up in, whether it be like that home country's culture is still dominant in their lives today. It's so different. So I think that at times, I not that I've ever questioned Tino's blackness because he's like, he's, he's like Afro-Caribbean. Like that's how I see it. But sometimes like because he's not African-American, when he says certain things, I'm like, are you allowed to say that? So, okay, for example, he grew up in Jamaica, but for college, he went on to HBCU. So he went to college at HBCU and, and he lived in DC, like, like in high school. So I feel like at times he says like, like funny, haha rap lyrics. And I don't think it's funny because like, that's not how you talk. That's not even a language that you know. So why would you say that to me? It's almost like if a Caucasian person did it, I would give them like, why are you saying that to me? It's almost like a microaggression. You think because I'm African-American, I want to hear you say that. Actually, I don't. So we've had different points, and this is a current day issue, where I, I tell him to speak to me in plain English. Okay. So, like, for example, when we first started dating, he would be like, I'd be like, what'd you, what'd you do today? He's like, I was, you know, I was out trapping at the lab. Mind you, Tino is a engineer and was working for Homeland Security and was doing, like, a secret project. So, you're trapping at the lab? You, you're getting an advanced degree in computer science and electrical engineering. So, that's, like, Two masters, like what are you talking about in a trap? What trap? Oh no, trapping is, is like reference referencing drug trafficking. So don't even play like that. So I think that it's the going to an HBCU and living in DC. I think that he was around African Americans and like pick up some of the lingo. And so for him, it's just like that's the my new subculture. And but I'm just kind of like, I felt like I had a glitch. Malfunction, malfunction, malfunction. It's like. <laughs> I have to ask because I feel like in a relationship I would be Tito right now. <laughs> I have to ask, do you joke around with him like that too? Because his, I'll tell you why. One of his things was like, you know how many people have said to me, you're making me crazy. I was like, have I ever said that to you? <laughs> I am very like culturally competent and I know that it's in, inappropriate and I don't want to do, I don't want to have no part of like appropriation. I do understand I am not Jamaican. I never will be. I'm just interested in learning the culture and the words. But in in moments that we're having fun, I don't laugh at your culture. That's not funny. Okay. It's not. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm taking it too serious, but I think some of that also stems to like you have to understand your partner's background. And for me, it's always trying to fight against that narrative of there's no right way to be black. And I feel like sometimes people lump us in this like category and say like this is what blackness looks like and have that, that stereotype. 
So when you come to me and you speak to me in rap lyrics, it's just like, just like if a white person were to do it and have done it, it, it takes me back to that. And it's a, it's a bit triggering, honestly. Okay. So it's almost like he walked into something that he didn't know, but I'm like saying to him, like, don't do it. So, but imagine like if somebody, imagine if one of your white boyfriends started talking to you in Spanish, but doing Spanglish and like make it fun. You'd be like, okay, okay, all right, stop. That, that's not okay. We actually, funny that you say that because now that I'm more around my family and we have a lot of variety in our family, mm-hmm. variety partners, um, that's actually something that I have come across, but not done directly to me. But I've seen Don um, directly done to one of my family members, her partner. And I was just like, huh, okay. So I, I do, I do understand what you Yeah, because the interesting thing, I don't think I've ever heard him say the N-word. So for me, family is important. One of the cultural things too, like going back to that is family. And um, the importance about like being around family and just having like the family support close to you. So one thing, you've met my mother, but still having this conversation, like my mom is very close to him. Like she wants to talk to him. She wants to like, whatever. They want make sure that he feels loved. And for him, um, I had a hard, I'm having a hard time because for him, I feel like my family's so inclusive of him, like trying to just like take him in and just like want to love on him. And I'm like, where's the love from your family? Right. And so I understand that his family is not in proximity to us. However, and maybe things will change once I, I do meet them, if so. But even still from a distance, like, I'm kind of, I am struggling with that. I will admit that, like, navigating. Um, I have a question. Family support. Because, like, he's African-American, I'm African-American, and I do know sometimes African-American families can be very shy and skeptical. Um, they're a little bit hesitant to welcome in people, like, when the location proximity isn't there. It's almost like out of sight, out of mind. And until you bring, intentionally bring her to us, then we won't know, one, this is serious enough, and two, we won't, you know, be able to have this organic meeting and then build from there. And I just know, like, being around your family, like, your family is super loving, super compassionate, super friendly and welcoming. And I think that that's, like, it's so such a blessing that he's able to have it because I can say firsthand, like, you made my experience in Miami much better because your family became my extended family. Like that's where I had like my Thanksgivings and things like that because like I wasn't going home. So I can't say it is great. Man, I miss it. <laughs> I'm like, Jasmine, come to the room. <laughs> yes. No, but I, I definitely could I definitely would feel a way about that. Uh, the interesting thing is, it's like with me and Tino's mom, I met his mom. I feel like we're very similar. I, 
you know how they say that you date your parents? I can definitely see our similarities. Like even when we were going to restaurants, we would order the same thing. <laughs> I was like, it, but I think that me and her still need to build a rapport. So we don't have a, I talk to you on a phone thing. It's just more so like, I'm in the background. Mom says hello. Tell her hello. Thank you for the Clorox. She's like really sweet. She sends us like Clorox and gloves and masks and things like that because she is, works at the hospital. So, you know, outside of that, we, we don't get to talk. But I don't feel any type of way about it. But also it's because of like my, the background with my family. My family is like this big and like, what is there to welcome? Like, it's the two of us. <laughs> you already met my sister. Was she going to say hello every day? <laughs> and I don't know, but I think it's something that's going to have to be addressed if that's something that you're looking for. Because one thing that I can say, at times we have these imaginary expectations. They're imaginary because we haven't said them to our partners. And when they're not living up to what we thought we should have, we're mad at them. And they have no idea. So I think whether it be you, me, or anybody else, it's just like, when you got mad at your partner, were you really mad at them or are you mad at yourself? Because you had this expectation that you created that they could live up to, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> that's with the spirit of excellency. <laughs> <laughs> and having minimal toleration for mediocrity. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. At times we are humbled since such time. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The interesting thing, speaking of expectations, I have if I start to tell like I have coined myself as the corporate hippie. I really feel like I have some non-traditional values that I live by and I feel like some of the philosophy of thoughts of mine are not popular amongst other people. And I think if you were to meet me, you and not talk to me long enough, you would not understand that. So for example, the traditional gender roles. I am so tired of being the strong woman character. I'm ready to be the damsel in distress. I don't wanna have to be strong for everybody. I don't want everyone to have to lean on me. It's tiring. So this whole thought of like submission, I think that people are looking at it wrong. I think in a relationship, you want him to hear you and he needs to hear like, and you need to hear him as well. And you know, if that's not what you identify with, insert whichever pronoun that fits your situation. So for me, like, I wouldn't mind, mind being a stay-at-home parent. I, in education, and I understand these barriers that they have. I understand, like, at times putting, like, these black and brown students in remedial courses when it's not necessary. So I feel like I'm going to be a very engaged parent, and I want to stay at home. And it's not just sitting at home. It's just really being engaged in my personal life. And I've had so much pushback from my own family about it, of, like, you're so smart and too thoughtful to, to just be sitting at home taking care of some man. And it's just like, did you listen to my vision? I am an educator. I've been doing this for a long time. When I have children, I am going to, the same care and time I put to these students who are not my blood, you think I'm going to really let my, my children mm -hmm. 
because like it's a full-time job and it doesn't mean that I won't have other side hustles but I think it's interesting how other people can be stay-at-home parents but if a black woman does it it's like there clearly has to be something wrong um and so another thing with Tino he is like so loving and so supportive of me and my career he's constantly saying you're going to be a dean okay after you be a dean you're going to be the vice chancellor and he has like these big visions and dreams for me and my career and I, I think it's wonderful and I've never had a person believe in me the way that he does but you also have to be careful to not create my story for me I I believe in excellence but I don't believe in work and once you start putting a title on what I should be doing and if that's not my path or my purpose I'm not going to do it so even though it feels good that you're pouring into me that you believe in me we literally the last month had to have a talk of like, if I'm not the dean, then what? If I'm not a vice chancellor, then what? What if I just say I want to do something completely different or I want to do nothing? I need for you to be okay with that, you know? Man, all y'all stay at home parents right now. So <laughs> let's talk to y'all. <laughs> they can't handle it. They can't handle it and they can't, they can't handle it and they're ready to stop it. So I thought it was so easy. I thought it was a waste of talent. All of you guys are looking for help. It's not as easy as what you thought. Because look at y'all now. In the state. Because you're managing the house, you're managing the kids, whether it be school, whether it be extracurriculars, cooking, meals. Because like that's a job. It's a job. It is a job. And and just like it makes me think back to like, man, all those things that were overlooked when I was a kid that I wish my mom had the time to actually mm-hmm. navigate. And that she unfortunately like had to like uphold the household, <laughs> and so she did not have the opportunity to do that. And at times, like there's neglect there. That's really what to call it. It's not purposeful, but I, we do call it what it is. It's just like if no attention is given to something that in an, in a specific area, something does suffer, and so. For me, at times, it was like my education. My mom did not have time, like have the time or as an immigrant parent to sit down with me and just like put this homework together. Nah, <laughs> don't you have a teacher at school? Figure it out, like things like that. And so little things and being involved in school, like I didn't even know PTA was a thing until like maybe I was like 16, 17. That's a real, that's a real conversation to be had. Um, about your roles in a relationship and your spouse or just your significant other, who's willing to like take yeah. take that in, take that up. <laughs> I already yeah. told, I already like in the future, if I do have children, God willing, I already said that I am, if my child is, I feel like my child's being discriminated against or just there's something that goes on in school where I feel like my child is not at fault, you better go. If I go, we all go, we all gonna hear about it. You're gonna hear about it. You're gonna hear about it. We all, it will be on the news if you put my child in a situation. Like, I know that's so bad, but like I'm going. I know that I'm gonna in my heart. I know I'm gonna be like Mama Bear. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just like you protect yours at all costs, and I feel like being an educated person, whether you're educated or not, it's, it's you want to protect your own. But being in this uh, arena of education, you understand policies and you understand when people are not adhering to them. And that's why like, I'm really big on like, 
playing not that not that it's playing the game, but I'm really big on like her policy section two, sentence three. <laughs> so like I, I I'm gonna be that parent. That's me. But I, I will say this, I do love educational policy. And that's why I wanna work with policy to make sure we're shaping them in a way that is equitable for everybody. And I wanted to, you know, make sure that these policies are not upholding one group and not the other. Um, Partners that complement us. I yeah. think the big thing with relationships is like feeling wanted and loved by your partner. Us meeting up was like, he has a great intellect and conversation and he can like keep things going. And he seemed very like interested in getting to know me as a person, which was really nice. And I know that seems like, oh, that's very simplistic. Of course, people want to get to know you. But I think it was the line of questioning, not questioning, but it was the questions. It was like he had a curious mind and he, he was really trying to better understand my background and what I wanted to do next. And it just made me feel like he's really thoughtful. I left with feeling like he's very thoughtful. It's beautiful. Love that. Uh, then you got to make sure you got a partner who's going to take care of you when you're sick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, you know what? Luckily, I haven't uh, gotten sick yet, but mm. he has asthma. So one of the things that, mm. yes. So one of the things that I had to thread lightly about where we had to, I, I was a bit ignorant in that area. I wasn't too familiar with, like, how uh i guess intense asthma can <laughs> asthma is i didn't take it serious and i remember during covid um when things started to reopen i finally i haven't had seen a friend in like months and i met up with like one of my friends and he was just like you met up with one of your friends and it was like this big deal right and I was just like I don't she's fine like she's been quarantined but like the intensity of it like later on when he explained to me like I've been in the hospital I've been hospitalized because of this I've been like this is like I need I literally need to carry my pump around like my life yeah. depends on this pump and I'm just like oh goodness yeah well, I, even I didn't really, I do understand the serious nature of asthma, but I didn't, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize its connection with what's going on now with COVID. Had no idea. Yeah. I didn't either until, until now. Yeah. So. To death do you part. Speaking of marriage. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, let's talk about that. Please, let's 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 discuss that topic because um it's interesting enough something that in all my relationships I've never really given like the opportunity to to myself to go there. Um coming with a background of parents who don't believe in it <laughs> that's the best part of saying that or so they're therefore they don't obviously value it i my idea around marriage has been a little bit construed Got it. i feel like just like as a person i've evolved around my thoughts on marriage I, I do believe in marriage i do believe that outside of this person doing something terrible to you like i don't want to get a divorce and that's why i take it very seriously 
but I do feel like as humans, we have done some things to taint it and pervert it. What do I mean by that? Like this whole three month salary on an engagement ring, having the bridal tea, having the bachelorette party, having this lavish wedding where you pay for people to come to your party. Yeah. That part for me is not necessary. Like on the day to day, like I pour into people and I love people, but I feel like I have my boundaries and these are the people that I'm truly close with. And those are the people that I want to share in that moment for me. And I want it to be intimate. So I had a conversation with my sister about marriage, like literally a few days ago. And she's so stuck on like, it has to be like this or it's not authentic. And I'm just like, I get what you're saying and I don't want to hurt our family, but I'm telling you now, it is my choice. Mm -hmm. The steps I haven't lived in a city with my family since 2012. I don't, I don't like that perverted part of it. I personally like the, I see myself spending the rest of my life with you and I want to build a life, whether that involves kids or not, but that just means us loving on each other and, and making it to the end and making the best of what, what we have in this in-between time before death, because death is inevitable. But it's like, what are we doing in that in-between time to make each other happy? And what are we doing to make each other better people? I think that's more so my vision and why I would want to get married. Yeah. I feel like the one thing I can take away, one of the good things that I can take away about my parents' view on marriage would be the taking the a little bit of like, the expectations away in living in the now. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, try to just take it day by day um, and not put so many, like, expectations because literally when you start thinking of marriage, it's like, well, that happens where literally start thinking about the bridesmaids and the wedding planning and the cake and then and the kids and like when are you gonna have kids do you have kids before does it happen like what just a bunch like all of this trail of like things that you didn't even explain that's the one thing i feel like at this point you guys are just gonna show up to my wedding <laughs> and not know it i think everyone's gonna kind of know it but be like is this what this is why would I make it a secret is because I don't want any pressures. I don't want any commentary. I don't want any unsolicited advice. I've just gotten to the point of like, and I know I shouldn't be like this. I don't want any unsolicited advice. It messes with my mood and my feelings and my anxiety. And it's just like, I just start feeling good about this. I don't need any extra talk. Yeah. 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 The so, advice, man, that part right there. Yeah. I think, uh, my wedding, I think I'm going to have, if I have some help, it's going to be hired help. Because I don't want people inserting their, I'm not you, you're not me. I don't, the thoughts are nice. But it, I, I know for me, it's going to make me more overwhelmed. Because it's going to feel like I have to incorporate the things that you're saying to not be rude. Which I don't need that. Right. I, want, I want it to be about me. So another conversation I was having, you know, another part of the conversation my sister and I were having was just saying like, for our family, 
we want to start new traditions or we really want to do x y and z and because of that you need to have it like this and i feel like that's not fair you can't put these expectations like for example my family is small and there hasn't been a wedding in a while so to kick back up those traditions like me having these extra steps of doing every single thing just so our family could have these memories we're gonna have memories regardless don't use my wedding as a stair step to our family making more memories yeah i didn't like that. and it and it's not just i mean i hear the a lot of like of the expectations on the family ends, but your friends can do it too. Don't think that is just family. Like it's also friends too. Tell the people what you mean, Miss Lex. Man, I've had a friend push on me kids since before I had a man. How about that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Or yeah, that whole. So it's almost so is it almost like as a woman you weren't valuable unless you had a kid because of that. Listen, you can navigate that space. <laughs> you can navigate the funny thing is that I'm literally dedicating a series, and I will probably call you up for that one. The Mind Your Business, Drink Your Water. Hmm. Mind your business and drink your water. If if everyone would do that. The world would be a better place. Let me get a sip. Why are you talking about drinking water? <laughs> the mind of business. I have something else to add to this. This is, this is a serious question. After you got in your relationship, do you feel like somehow people made you feel more valuable now that you had a man? My family. Yes, I will say. My family. Interesting. Pack that in a little bit. Like, what do you? So, what did they say, or what happened to make you realize, like, oh, you think that uh, my stock went up because I, I'm with him now. I'm navigating that space. Oh, so it's still happening. Got it. I, I want to go back to just like the patriarchal system. Mm. Um, people think it's just um, not people because I'm sure that a lot of people can relate with patriarchy in other countries aside from the United States. Surprise, surprise, you guys are not <laughs> we're not the only ones. But in a Dominican household, like if you don't have a significant other, it's almost like, oh, you're by yourself. You're it's frowned upon. And if you get divorced, it's like oh, you got divorced. Like what did you do? Like even as a woman. And and even to like guilt tripping people because they decided to get a divorce and decided to leave a relationship that for them was no longer growing or just, it was a disservice to the union that you decided, okay, like we're no longer growing and we're better off apart and just respecting that, having that boundary. I, I have a hard time like, and I'm very rebellious. And at times I almost want to do certain things that I know that would be unfair to my union just to kind of prove a point. And like, this is where adulting comes in and you kind of have to take the higher road and take those deep breaths in. Um, Cause yeah, that does, that does plan. I will say. Um, and it's not helpful when, your 
families are playing placing more value on you, but also your friends are placing more value on our relationship. Um, it could be really having like really having on and even it's crazy to think you wouldn't think this, but it could even like um, change the relationship dynamic of, like, of your friendship. That's real. People don't think about that, but it, and then it's one of those things that you kind of want to avoid happening, but it does. And I'm so used to like thinking on a high school level, I guess, like, oh, you get a boyfriend. Like, you would think the issue would be that I'm not hanging out with you because I have a boyfriend. No, the issue is that you're valuing me based on my relationship and having these expectations for me that I didn't even think of. And at times, I don't know if like the area that I live in plays into it because I do live in a small town. I live in the Northeast in a small town here in Massachusetts. And it's just like, literally what you do after high school is you find a significant other. You maybe go to college and you go to college together and then you have kids and you get married and then you buy a house. And that's and, right. And I feel like for those who want to do that, you know, that's great, but the other path, but there's other paths and there's other things that people want to do within their life, whether you want to, to travel to a different place, whether the type of work that you do is going to cause you to go in other areas. Like some of these steps aren't going to happen like that. And with me working in the South, I feel like that's when I felt the pressure the most. And I, I hadn't noticed it until then. So what would happen to me in the office? In the office, it was like the married people club. All the women in my office, with the exception of me and maybe one other person wasn't, but then she got engaged. So then it was just like me and the man who identified as gay. We were the only non-married staff members mm. and so everyone would tell me about like it's okay it's gonna happen for you I didn't ask you that why why are you telling me that we're at work be professional uh, and then the second thing they would try to to palm me off, off on any Tom Dick and Harry so I met this guy he works at the rack I think you'll love him have you talked to me I'm, I'm one of those people where I love your mind before I love anything else about you. You know what I'm saying? That's why we click. Our minds are here. We're here. We're in sync. And that's kind of why, like, me and Tino, like, we have been knowing each other for, like, three years. And so I fell in love with his mind before I loved him as a boyfriend. And that's why we could hang out and be friends because, like, we were on the same wavelength. Like, I was running this, this group called Young Professionals, Young Black Professionals of Auburn. And so he was going to the events with me and hanging out. And that's how we, you know, the chemistry started. It was his brain. And so I think that it was insulting to make it seem like I wasn't whole without a partner. But this is the part that made me so upset. The first picture I ever posted of me and Tino, everyone told me, you know, from that partnership, congratulations. Mm. Not that I wasn't even engaged. It wasn't that we got married. Like, they were so happy I found a person that the words were, congratulations. Are you kidding me? Not when I got the director role, but when I got a man. Okay. That's when I, that's when like it confirmed to me, like, I'm happy that I didn't live in the South. I love the South. I, I miss it. But those unrealistic pressures to that I'm not whole without my man and that like 
he is the end all be all it's uncomfortable yeah it's uncomfortable because i don't feel like people are two halves that make a whole you need two whole people to make a solid relationship absolutely that's what people need to realize because when you got broken people i've dated broken people and it is it 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 can't work i don't care what anybody say it can't work it can't work can't work talk about burnout it can't work (laughs) i feel like i'm doing the dance it cannot work it cannot work (laughs) man yeah and let me speak a little bit more on that work and relationship subject so do you think that the positions that you may gain do they look at those things like do they consider those things for the role they want you to play absolutely i'll tell you why tell me why so I'll tell you about when we were hiring one of my colleagues. So in the admissions, not the admissions, but in the hiring process, secretly, in, secretly, we were looking at who had a ring on, who talked about children, who's been married for a long time. Those things you can't use for the hiring process, but we all were secretly taking note because I noticed when somebody was talking about their young child, all of us were like, in this type of role that we had, it, it, it is very strenuous and you're up at all times of the day and hours. And for some reason in our mind that made her less likely to succeed in the role. So that was in the back of our minds. None of us said it, but we all knew when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, they're gonna get her out. So it can help you or it can hurt you. Uh, for example, with the men, they expect you to be married when you're in leadership so everybody not well not everybody on this work trip to new york we all were working at this one school giving them help and everybody kept on talking to the you know the managing director and talking about his wife his wife his wife and they kept saying wife and he kept having to correct it and be like we're not married and like he kept having to do the correction because it was like kind of awkward of like it's clear you're not married you guys are not married i don't even think you're engaged so it was just like he had to say this this is not that and it was very uncomfortable he was white and she was black and mind you it you know this company that i work for all the managing directors are white from what i've seen and are married and it was interesting the first one who was dating a woman of color they weren't married and had a son i think that was the thing i think because he said he had a son everybody automatically thought he was married and because like he's like 30 something people like you married you have you have a kid you're married of course they put it all together so that's the interesting thing but i i do feel like we have these scripts of people's lives. When you think about a director in a role, you think about an older woman. So you're checking to see, like, is she married? Does she have older kids, younger kids? You're trying to figure out when did she finish school? You're, like, putting all that stuff under the microscope. Because all that really is is trying to, trying to tell us, of, like, what kind of person is this? Because marriage in the, you know, and being married, it pretty much shows that you, you're in a partnership. And also says something about wisdom and growth. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like when it comes to age, you always expect like 
the older you are, the more likely you are you're married and your husband. Because even current day, people always call Tino my husband and to the point where I just stopped correcting it. And I don't know if it's me and Tino's vibe and energy or if it's just because like I look like someone's aunt and they're just like, oh, she's older. Clearly, you guys are married. I don't know which one it is. Mm. So, do you know what I just thought of having this conversation? What? I have never seen, maybe it's just me, but I have never seen a pregnant faculty member in higher ed. I mean, have you? I have never. I'm not saying it's not a thing. Well, I feel like administrative staff, yes. Faculty, like I teach, not in my undergrad career, not in my graduate career, not in my professional career. The only people that I see pregnant, because the emphasis is on like, it's the woman that's pregnant. The only, no. <laughs> huh. Something to think about. But I, I do feel like this. Think about it. Like, I'm in a director role, and I'm 31, and I've never had children, and I'm a faculty member. So I play right into like that observation. I think sometimes people feel like if you are really into your career, you're a career woman, and that's your primary goal. It just so happened that this is what I felt into. I'm really passionate about students. I'm really passionate about education. And that's just end of what happened. I turned into a career woman on accident. You couldn't have told me. You couldn't have told me 10 years ago that I would be like really working hard and really career driven. I would be like, you're crazy. And I think the interesting thing, current day, I don't want to work. And my mom and my sister laugh so hard about that. I tell them this all the time. They were just like, you've been saying that since like middle school. And I'm just like, and I mean it. Me too. (laughs) I think that I am good at what I do. And I'm passionate about what I do. And people get that confused. It's back to that corporate hippie. You think that, like, because you, you're really good at your job and you, you've, you know, gotten these promotions, you must really be ambitious. No, I just think excellent is a habit. And anything I do, I'm going to give my all. Right. And so when you pour into the universe, the universe provides. Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> Every time. And I don't, I don't think that I could have done all these experiences that I had, whether it be travel, whether it be move into the different states. I think that this version of Jasmine is the best version for Tino. Tino is my boyfriend. I truly, I truly feel like that. I feel like I had to go through all my dating experiences, situationships. We need to talk about situationships, but I don't even know if it's enough. Those shallow waters, the heebie-jeebies of situationships. Listen, we're going to have to break this down to a part two, but I'm going to talk about situationships before I wrap this thing up because I could talk all day about it. So when it comes to dating, I think that the main thing that I've learned is that nobody has clear definitions of it. And that's why you have to talk with your partner about what is this and where do we want to go. But I'm coming to find that people are so concerned with not having that difficult dialogue or coming across too thirsty or coming across too needy that we are falling into situationships. So a situationship, and by my definition, is when you 
do most of the things that you do in a relationship with without the title so whether you are having physical intercourse whether you're kissing whether you are sharing you know monetary resources like paying bills i think paying bills is like eh, a little far into it but i mean it still happens it happens so so i think the biggest thing is, is like how do you not get put in that if that's not what you want and i feel like when i was younger i fell into some situationships simply because like i didn't want to seem too eager because they always tell you as like other woman like women are so nurturing and needy we're gonna scare them off with if we talk talking about talks of the future and marriage just let things happen organically no sometimes when you let things happen organically people take advantage you don't see a future with me but you like the time you have with me and that's not well that's fine to a certain point if you know that i i feel like after a certain point things are going to get serious and you know that's never going to happen say that and i feel like you never know how a person's going to react but I feel like in some of the situations I had, it was just like, it was like the proximity to something comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you have your own thing going on. You want to feel good. You want to feel happy. I feel like Jada Pinkett Smith. I just wanted to feel good. It's just like, and that person feels that void. And it's just like, some, you know, in ordinary circumstances, you would not deal with this person or you wouldn't allow yourself to do certain things. But you're just like, I just want to feel good at this point. And it's like your expectations, you know, you're just like. And the fact that we, you know, we have the culture of like, he's a F boy. She's a, and then there's F girl versions too. And. Hot girl city girl. Hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. (laughs) You want. And I will say I was a guilty F girl at some point. I, yeah. <laughs> Everybody I, has their get to get your face and get it out. It started rubbing off. I didn't realize it because it came to a point where just like naively, innocently, I was giving my all to these relationships and not really challenging them. That's really yeah. I really was scared to push the limits on my relationship and have those difficult conversations and just like you're gonna scare him off if you ask on the second date whether he wants something serious or not like no and like you have to ask those questions those questions are extremely relevant to your time <laughs> and your but uh, the word into your your girl <laughs> your girl parts and like glory holistically like what are you doing and like it took me a hot minute to sit with myself and be like you're self-sabotaging by the way (laughs) oh wow oh wow self-sabotage is real because like i feel like where situationships come in with self-sabotage it's also like what's the word it's not self-sabotage oh dependency situationships it's like you want a person who's not emotionally available because it's just like, then you know it's going to fail. It's almost like a vicious cycle. Yeah, and it'll come back and bite you hard. Sometimes situations happen because a person is not emotionally available, which is, that sucks. Yeah, 
the person that I'm emotion available and it just happens to be convenient for you because that's exactly what you think you need because you don't have to put so much effort into the relationship or to the person but at the end of the day ha jokes on you ha ha you ties with real people don't do it right jokes on you you end up getting emotionally tied up one way or the other or that person ends up getting tied up to you and you got some karma to reap what you just literally sowed um and don't think that you are going to escape that escape that debt because it, it's gonna come for you <laughs> it's gonna come for you because i think that's the thing whether you are male or female or identify as something else when you even if it's not intentionally when you lead someone on and then like constantly take 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 knowing that they want something that you aren't willing to give like that's not okay and that's like we that's when karma comes in and what whether it's in a relationship now or in the future you're going to see some of those characteristics that you displayed done back onto you no it it happens (laughs) man i could write a book i can honestly write a book but like I said, a lot of it had to do with, it took me a minute to realize I was one, by the way. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize that I was falling into dangerous territory, dangerous waters. I was navigating muddy waters. For the longest, refused to believe that I would ever do that. <laughs> one, I was in denial. <laughs> I sound like I have, listen, a substance abuse problem, but literally, it really, you can compare it. Because it is a codependency. And Jada did talk about that in her red table. It was part of her her codependency. um, How you fall into those traps. And you have a lot of self-work and recognition to do. And it's like a lot of self-avoidance of internal work that you need to do on yourself. And just like, you made a trauma bond. Congratulations. (laughs) Trauma bond. Those are real. And that's real. Wow. I think you said it perfect because again you don't need to be half of people getting together you need to be whole people and like these trauma bonds are like when two broken people are getting together it's just like you're just spewing all that stuff out and seeking support is real let's talk about that and how I we decided well I decided and I'm sure you did but I will speak for myself on this one um, to grab some big girl panties like opening my closet and pulling one out seeing <laughs> it on my girl panties and seeking support because i started realizing that i did not have the tools to navigate a relationship by myself on my own because there were some things there unfortunately that my parents are who they are and they're not going to change do i honestly have um an opinion that things could have been done better? Absolutely. There are a lot of examples out there that I wish they took a different route um, to give me a better example. So later on, I would not have been put in these circumstances. However, I only have control over myself and I have been very um, adamant about seeking support outside. And so I have I have, I'm not afraid to seek outside support anymore. I guess it was like a stigma that I would be like, oh, that's only what married people do. Or that's something that like, um, people who really just like, 
are at their wit's end, which I did end up finding myself at a, whoa, what is this? Like meeting my shadow, right? That's what I call it. Meeting my shadow self and having to confront myself and having those real conversations and um, actually seeking outside support because I'm like, I'm going to mishandle this. And it's not fair to that person and it's not fair to myself either to create more trauma onto myself um, or create trauma to this person and probably prolong their process of finding love. Yeah. Well, well interesting that you, me and you have like similar thoughts, but I think mine, I took it a, a step further in the sense of this. I know that I need his support and his support to me is like very crucial, but I also had to start looking at like, he is my boyfriend, not my therapist. And some of the emotional support that I want, if he can't give that to me, it's not appropriate for me to expect it. Because he did not go to school to unpack all my feelings to make me feel better every single time. And like, like you mentioned, it's taking the time with yourself and going to therapy if that's what you need to do. And like, I've definitely been in therapy and talked about things. Like a lot of things I was in therapy for is like my treatment, working in academia, being an African-American woman and not feeling valued and doing this for like 10 years now. Like that can, that, that eats at your psyche. And like, if I want to have those conversations with him, if I'm not feeling supported in the way that I want to, not holding that against him because he's not my counselor. He's not my, he's, you know, he, he's not that and not putting that pressure on him unknowingly. Because like, I think that at times I would get frustrated that I didn't feel like he got it at times or I feel like he wasn't paying attention or interested. But I guess like he doesn't get paid to sit and listen to me pour my soul out. <laughs> I think as a partner, he's going to and he does. But I think like he's not certified to give me the tools to fix it. And I think after a while, you can't keep coming to them with your scars and expecting them to heal it. Like, that's not his job. Right. You know? Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. And setting those boundaries. There will be times where they want to put those band-aids and you have to be like, as, and it's been really difficult for like, but at the same time, like, deep down, I hope that he understands that it's almost sacrificial for me not to be selfish and let you do that because I would, I do feel like I need support at times to deal with certain things that like the fact that I'm kind of just being like blocking you off and I know you want to be there to help, that's not for you. And for me, like creating that barrier, it's not that I'm avoiding <laughs> is that I'm trying to protect you. That's not for you. Yeah. Okay, do you, that was a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And that's real life. And I feel like that's really, they're ugly, they're beautiful, there's something somewhere in between. And I feel like the good thing of relationships is it's like, overall, when done correctly, they make you better and they bring you joy. But you do, ha do have to deal with this is real life and everything's not going to be, you know, great every time, but you know, it makes the great times better after you come from the lows. <laughs> and you get to meet your inner child sometimes, even without you wanting to. Uh, 
my goodness, my inner child had anger issues and my adult, my adult self, I, I'm trying to work on what she didn't. And it's hard. Uh, when I see her, I'm just like, get back in there. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see that during arguments, even when you try to challenge um, like a conversation or just a discussion, you're almost like, do I stop here? And you're like, and then there's more. <laughs> One more thing. That's the self-sabotage, I swear. That's what that is. So the interesting thing, I, am a, I definitely do play into the self-sabotage characteristics at times. And two things that I've done that help me. When I think something that's outlandish, that's going to make me say or do something crazy, I say, who said that? <laughs> Was that like, it's almost like your shadow. Did she say that? Because she crazy. Your, that, your shadow, the other part of you, that dark, nasty part of you, if she's talking, like, don't listen. Because half the time, she's just stirring the pot. <sighs> it does, that's not a real sign. That's a reach. She's making it up. So it's just like, who said that? And I feel like lately when I feel like I want to pull away, I lean into it more. So the moment I feel like, okay, I'm having these thoughts, that was a sign. Instead of me pulling away, I do something nice. Mm. And actually it's going well. Because I feel like it's made me be like, that, can, that craziness that I was thinking, I don't feel that anymore. Because when you love on your partner, they love on you back. So it's just almost like you're, pushing away those thoughts and feelings, doing something sweet, and then in return your partner's like loving on you back. And then it helps to ease whatever craziness your shadow person is saying to you. Because they're saying stuff sometimes. I promise you. She you. He's cheating. What was that? His routine's different. He's not going to be there. You're going to leave him. You're going to mess up. Y'all cheating on each other. Like, listen, it's all those weird, like, who said that? Oh There's nothing God. in this relationship that leans toward that. Who said that? Oh, my goodness. I have to send you, there's this, on HBO, this one show, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but literally what you just said right now, there was an episode exactly on that shadow self of, like, when the insecurities come creeping in and her shadow, like, literally, like, having a conversation with her. I have to send you it. Oh, my um, God. Uh, but yes, it, she talks to me, man. She she be in my ear, especially when we having well, like when we get into arguments. She's like, "Did you call me?" <laughs> I feel like the shadow person makes you take it too far because I feel like in a relationship. So even if you're going back and forth, you can say stuff, and maybe it don't be the nicest, but you're getting your point across. The shadow person starts making you say some stuff that's like not about the situation, but about the person's character, and that's when it's too far. So instead of it being about, I don't like the way you parked the car or you lost the keys, it's like, you don't think it, you're irresponsible. That's that shadow person, you're taking it to, it took it up a notch. <laughs> but you, you know what though, You, I've learned that um, in her, you, you have to embrace her because she has a message message what's the message please she, 
she has a message and she comes bearing gifts from your inner child <laughs> your neglected inner child and the things that you have insecurities about and that you literally have been neglecting within yourself and that you have to sit down and confront and not let overpower you legit <laughs> wow Legit. Hopefully my inner child though, she stays hopefully she's gonna stay at bay. I feel like especially living in a space with somebody in especially close quarters, I'm hoping that she can stay where she's at, which is in the shadows and somewhere else. You're gonna bring her to the light. <laughs> well, it just depends. My shadow person is like she's she's not no. She's not my other self. She is like, I don't know who that is. We do have, like, there's a lot of, um, what do they call it now? Spiritual warfare. I think what you're talking about is spiritual yeah. warfare. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Because the interesting thing, like, whether you believe in that or not, and whether you understand the concept of, like, spiritual war- warfare, it's just, like, you have these things and these thoughts and these feelings, and you can't necessarily see why they're coming towards you or why it feels so pervasive and overwhelming. And it's it's kind of meant to, to break you down. And when people are in a broken place and in a sad place and an upset place, you do things that you normally wouldn't do to feel better. So whether that's your vice or whether that's just like, you know, accepting things that you wouldn't normally do. That's essentially what it, it boils down to. I think it's real. And the sooner that we realize it's a real thing, the sooner we can actually know how to confront it <laughs> and manage it and, and deal with it. Because it's a real thing. And it's especially when things are getting good. Yeah. When things, when you're hitting a peak where of growth where you're like, ooh, I didn't think we were going to make it there. And <laughs> that was a close call. <laughs> it comes around out of nowhere yeah I think the interesting thing like I feel like just like how you mentioned like once you everything is going good and you get into that peak and you need to go get to to elevate to that next level I feel like that's when everything happens it's just like you learned a lot you're you're at a different chapter and you're ready to get to you're at a chapter and you're ready to get to the next chapter I feel like that's when stuff like tries to pull you back of like no don't go to chapter 27 at chapter 15 and it's just like no so things attack you to make you feel like you can't look forward and you're steady looking behind which I'm sure most people have had experience with that at some point or another whether it be in their careers whether it be in their relationships with a platonic or romantic relationship it's it's still all there any last thoughts for our viewers or listeners Yes, I guess the biggest thing, again, thank you for having me on your platform. Representation matters, and I really do love talking about love, relationships, and everything in between. So this was my interpretation of what Black love looks like, because I am a 31-year-old woman who just found the love of her life at 30, and we lived in different cities for six months, and being able to still be successful and we now currently are California transplants together and just sharing my experience with that and even my past experience so again you don't need to be a half of a person two whole people makes the foundation for a great relationships you have value whether you're with a partner or not and just don't let people 
people's expectations taint the love you have for someone else. Just love freely and love openly and the universe will provide. So that's my thoughts. Again, this is Jasmine Stewart. And if you want any of my contact information, Miss Lex will have it and provide it for you at the time. <laughs> will do. And thank you again. And we, I'm sure we'll think of another podcast. <laughs> yes. But for mm-hmm. now, we're ending this one. <laughs>